Maybe there's a risk in any court. You know, that, that uh, message that Ronald Reagan did was done in 1964, and it was actually for the presidential campaign for Barry uh, Goldwater. 1964, and it still rings true today. It's such a great message, uh, a, a great story, a, a great illustration of the battle that we face every day. As you know, that we're, we're starting a new series today. Um, it'll be a five-week series, and it's uh, called Battle Ready. And this is, this is uh, not just spiritual warfare. Uh, a lot of times, you know, a lot of, a lot of series will be about that. We are going to address some of that. Um, and today we're going to address something that's very specific. Um, but, um, but it's going to also be a lot of practical application. And, and how do we deal with the things that we're faced in life? And, and how we're going to, you know, as we, as we go in through life and we face different battles. And every one of us, every one of you, face different battles. You know, my battles today are different than they were 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 2 years ago. And it's, they're probably different than the ones you maybe go through. We have different lives and different things, but we are in a battle. We are facing different challenges in our lives. So the series is Battle Ready. It's, 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 my hope is to gear you up and to prepare you for battle. You know, and, and the, fact are, the fact is, is that we are in a war. We are in, in battle. We are in this, this cosmic war. And we're engaged in it every day. And, um, and, and like any war, one of the things that we have to do is prepare, and we also have to know our enemy. We have to know what we're fighting. You know, as, as soldiers, and, and when I was in the Navy, for example, when I, I joined in the first Gulf, Gulf War, and, and I knew, I saw what was going on, what my boss um, at the time, I was young, and I, had, I was working at a pizza place, and he was from um, Iran. And I saw the tears in his eyes with his family, you know, these people that are, that are getting killed by Hussein. And, and, uh, and actually, he was from Iran, and, uh, but he had family in Iraq. And he was, uh, you know, he would be in tears seeing these, his countrymen killing each other. And I saw that, and, and it really broke my heart. And, it, and I saw the, the, what was going on, the evil in the world, and, and what was going on there. So we knew, as a, as a sailor or a soldier, we know the enemy. We have to look at that. So today, what we're going to start with is we're going to look at the enemy. We're going to look at what kind of opposition do we have? What kind of, who are we fighting in these battles? Because you have to know who the enemy is. You have to understand these things for you to be able to engage. Because if you think the enemy is this over here, but the reality is it's a different enemy, you're going to be fighting the wrong battles. You're going to be making decisions on the wrong thing. So we're, we, we are going to address some of these things throughout the series and in hopes it'll prepare you for this new year. We're in 2017, and I think 2017 is going to be a fantastic year. I really, truly do. I think it's going to be exciting around here. We've got a lot of stuff planned. Uh, we, the, we have, we're starting off with the Johnny Hunt um, the conference, a men's conference. But then we're going to have a women's conference. We're hoping to have a leadership conference and maybe even a marriage conference. And four, four different ones a year. And we're hoping to do some of these things, to get out in the community. And so I think it's going to be exciting, and I think the series is hopefully going to help prepare you for the future. Because let me tell you something, and, and I'll, I'm going to reiterate this a little bit in the message. Let me tell you a little secret. When you start working for God, you're going to be attacked. And you're going to have battles that you're going to face that you will never see before. So when we start engaging in this, 
And we started in 2017. We're going to see a lot of battles. We're going to see a lot of things going on. But God is there, and we will uh, persevere through it. So, so hopefully this, this series, this beginning series, uh, beginning in the year, is going to help you prepare for the coming year and the battles that we face. See, we know we're, we're facing a real opponent, and we know that the real battle is going on. There is a war going on out there, because if it's, it's, look at the, the painful scars that are in our world. Look at, look at the things that are going on around our world. It doesn't take very long to, to see that there's a lot of chaos a lot of pain, a lot of suffering in this world, isn't there? Just last night, I just read this morning uh, a, a thing on for New Year's in Istanbul. Did anybody read the story? 39 people, it was a nightclub shooting. 39 people killed. I think it was 60 were wounded on top of that. 100 people shot just last night on New Year's. They're supposed to be going into the new year and celebrating... The, the last year, and getting ready for the new year, and 39 people lost their lives last night. That's not including all the other things that are going on in this world. You look at the news here in, in just our country and, the, and all the shootings that are going on all the time. And this war that we see. And, there's, and uh, just the other night, there was a, a march in Chicago, a, a supposedly a peaceful march, uh, recognizing the violence of 2016. Now, I don't know uh, what their motive was and all that, but I do know that, you know what, if you think about it, there was a lot of bloodshed in this 2016. So there's definitely a war going on. There's shattered lives, broken homes, suicide, rape, abuse, addictions, immorality of any kind. So, so to, to deny that is... It's ridiculous. We, we know that there's some kind of war that's going on in the lives of people all around us. John Milton, in his great works, Paradise Lost, Paradise Regained, talks about chapter 12 of Revelation, and he, and he says this great quote, and it says right here, it says that the forces of heaven and hell are the central focus, and earth is the battleground in which the cosmic combat takes place. This is a great description of this spiritual battle that goes on in our world. It's a, it's a battle between good and evil, and it happens right here on earth. With all the talk about a war going on in our society and around the world, Christians often forget their own war that we're dealing with. We often forget the battle that we face as believers in Jesus Christ. We, we face them all the time, and a lot of times we, we forget about it. We, this battle is between heaven and hell. And it's fought right here on earth. I truly believe that the American church has lost sight of this truth in so many ways. Not all of them. I know some godly men and women that are out there and they understand this. But I also think that there's so many that have just lost that. They just, uh, they, they just lost it. They don't realize that there's this, this battle going on over their souls. Christians in America have become so comfortable in their Christianity that the thought of spiritual warfare, the thought of spiritual warfare, a battle over their souls and their lives and the lives of their loved ones, rarely even crosses their mind. In fact, messages like this you hardly ever see. Messages talking about the devil and Satan and the reality of this battle that's going on, a lot of preachers don't preach on it because it's not happy. It's not happy-go-lucky. It's, it's real and raw. And so we don't hear that. And I think so, that, that's such a, dis, a disadvantage for the believers because we're not addressing the reality of this world. We're in a fallen world. And I think this, this spiritual warfare rarely crosses the mind of the believer, but it's so paramount to our understanding as a Christian and as a church 
to understand this, at least the basics of this. The Bible says that all around us, whether we like it or not, we are in a spiritual war. We are in a spiritual battle. And we have an enemy that is fighting. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I guarantee that you have an enemy after you. You have an enemy. Think of it like an ISIS. You know, when we think of the worst of the worst right now in our world, we think of people like the ISIS group, right? Or we think of maybe in Africa, some of these rebel forces. Or maybe down in uh, Colombia, the FARC uh, revolutionaries. And they're, they're pretty wicked. And we think of that, but you know what? We actually have an enemy so worse than that coming after us. If you're trying to live right in your relationship with God and live right in your family, and if you're trying to walk the godly life, you're going to have attacks. You're going to have it. It's just, it's a given. You can be sure that Satan is after you. When I first got called into ministry, I was going through some hard times. I really struggled with this call. I really did. And it was, and, and my mentor, he wasn't my mentor at the time, but he, my mentor, he he kept telling me, he goes, look, I'm telling you. He, and, he, and he kept reminding me, look, you're, going, you're called to the ministry. You might as well put a target on your back. Because that's the way it's going to be. You're always going to have, uh, 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 the devil's always going to be targeting you. Just accept it and deal with it. See, some of us might say that, you know what, I don't want to fight. I'm peaceful. You know, maybe you're raised in the 60s, you're like, I don't want to fight, man. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. I don't want to fight this stuff. I just want peace. I just want to be left alone. I, I don't want to deal with this. You know, Pastor. I don't even want to listen to this message. I'm. Gonna, I'm going to tune you out right now. I'm going to get on my phone and start playing uh, Angry Bird or something. You know, don't do that. Some of you might think that. In his book Fuzzy Memories, uh, Jack Hadley, uh, Handley, uh, writes a, a story about when, uh, when he was a kid. He had this, this bully that used to demand his lunch money all the time. And so he would give it. He was small, so he would give the money all the time. And, and then finally he got to the point where he said, you know what, I'm going to fight back. I'm going to take care of this kid. And, and so he started taking karate lessons. And so he's taking karate lessons. And all of a sudden the karate instructor came over to him and said, you know what, you've got to start paying me $5 a lesson. So Jack says, you know what, that's too expensive. I'm going to go pay the bully. Sometimes it's easier to pay the bully than to fight back and defeat him. Unfortunately, this is so true when it comes to spiritual warfare that we'd rather just pay the devil and not fight. You know what? I'd just rather, I'll just deal with it. I'll just pay him off than to fight him and to engage in this. Maybe that's what you think. Maybe you just say, maybe maybe you take it to a different level. Maybe you think, you know what? This whole devil thing, I've seen the movies. I've seen Constantine, and I've seen these other movies, you know. Uh, uh, the devil's not real. It's just fake. Maybe you don't believe in a literal devil that's trying to wreck people's lives. Maybe you think that's like Santa Claus. Like, you know, there's just, you know, a red guy, you know, red, big buff red guy with horns and a pointed tail and a pitchfork, and, and that's all he is, and he's not real. Maybe that's what you think. Maybe you think he's just like Santa Claus. And he's just a myth, maybe explaining away evil in the world. We've got to blame somebody. We don't want to blame ourselves, so let's blame some myth- mythical f- uh, figure. Maybe that's what you think. Maybe you just, if I ignore this whole thing of spiritual warfare, and I could just ignore the devil, he'll leave me alone. Because I don't want to fight. I don't want to deal with this stuff. I'm sorry to say, you don't have a choice. If you're a Christian, 
you definitely don't have a choice because you've got a target on your back. If you're not a Christian, you are still got a target on your back trying to prevent you from becoming a Christian, trying to prevent you from following Jesus Christ. One way or the other, you don't have a choice. Take a look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, that's pretty clear. He's very specific here. The adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. See, here we have, you know, we might have uh, mountain lions and we have, you know, deer and we have different uh, bears and stuff like that. And a, a lot of these animals will, you know, they're a little skittish of humans and they'll run off. You know, you make some noise and they'll, they'll scare. Bears maybe not as much, but most animals will. Lions, on the other hand, they don't. A male lion is not afraid of a human. A male lion is not afraid to attack a human. And, the, and the, this reference that, that Peter's talking about is the devil's like a lion. He's ready to attack. He's ready to kill. See, spiritual warfare is not an option for the Christian life. We have a real enemy who's out there to get us. And if you ignore him, you're just making his job easy. You're just making it easy. As Christians, we must understand we are truly a part of a spiritual cosmic conflict, a battle. The Lord has called his people to fight. See, he's called us to engage in this battle. He doesn't say, you know, run away and pray. No, he says, you will confront. You will deal with this stuff. And he calls us to wage war against the forces that oppose God's righteousness and rule. See, this... There's a supreme leader called the devil, and he, and he devours the people in this. He, he looks for God's people. He looks for the church. And any true Christian, he's going after them like a roaring lion. See, Satan was a high-ranking angel. And what happened was he got proud. And he said, you know what? I'm just as good as God. I am as powerful as God. I, am, I have as loyal following. And you know what? My pride and arrogance, I want my own kingdom. And he wanted to be equal to God. He got kicked out. It was this attitude that led him to rebel against God and seek to establish his own kingdom. Now, if you systematically read through Scripture, if you go through Scripture looking for this enemy that we're talking about, and if you go through it, you'll learn a lot. There's quite a bit of information about this so-called enemy. And so if we, if we have this enemy in there, and Scripture's talking about it, maybe it's something that we should take serious and look at. Maybe it's something that we should, we should learn from, and, and we can learn from so we know what to do and how to handle these situations. The Bible gives us insight into how Satan operates, where he's from. And that, that information can give us wisdom on how to respond and equip us for this warfare and this battle that we face. You know, I think the, the generations before us, I think the older generations understood this, this idea of spiritual warfare. I really do. Because if you look at hymns today, not hymnals, but hymns, if you look at hymns, uh, you'll find that there's a lot of great, mess, or great songs that talk directly about this. And one of them is Onward, Christian soldiers. Anybody know that song? We, we sang it not too long. Raise your hand if you know that song. You grew up with that song. Yeah, a lot of you, right? You guys know this song. It's, it's a song that's really about 2 Timothy in, in the, that we're soldiers for Christ. And that's where it comes from. And it was written by a guy in 1865, uh, C, uh, Sabine uh, Gould. 
and he, and, he, and he writes this about this New Testament idea of that we're soldiers for Christ. Now, how many, how many of you have served in the military? I have a few of you, okay? Do we retreat? No. We don't retreat. Unless we're commanded to, we don't retreat. We're a coward if we are, right? I mean, that's what we're branded. Let's be honest here. If we retreat, we're considered a coward. We, we, we're considered AWOL. We're soldiers or sailors. And if we're soldiers and sailors, we're sailors for, and soldiers for Christ. So what this song is about that. And if you look at, and look at this per, little part of, of this uh, song, it says, Onward Christian soldiers, march as to war, with the cross of Jesus going on before. Christ, the royal master, leads against the foe. Forward into battle, see his banners go. At the sign of triumph, Satan's host doth. Is that right? Doth? Doth flee. I, I, I didn't grow up with him, so I have a little hard time with that. Uh, on then. Christian soldiers onto victory. Hell's foundation quiver at the shout of praise. Brothers, lift your voices. Loud your, loud your anthems raise. We are soldiers for Christ, and we are engaged in a battle. You know, we might not know exactly what that battle looks like. I mean, it's, a, it's an invisible battle in many ways. So we don't always see exactly how it, how it is. You know, Frank Peretti wrote a book um, back in 89. I, I can't remember the name of it right now. It's one of his more popular books. But he talks about this. The whole book was about this spiritual warfare and these battles. And, he, and it's very animated. It's actually really kind of a neat book. But he talks about, you know, angels with these huge swords, these godly angels, and they have swords. And they, they you know, swipe at the, de- you know, the demons and you can kill five or six of them at a time. And, and it's this, you know, this picture. He paints this picture of this, this two soldiers with swords going at it. And that's what this spiritual battle is. You know, and that's just fiction. You know, but, but you know, we don't really know exactly how it happens or, or what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know if there's angels duking it out in a boxing ring or if they're in a in, in like gladiator ring or something. We don't know. But we know that there is a spiritual battle going on. There is something going on. We do know from the Bible that there's this invisible struggle between good and evil, light and darkness, God and Satan. We know that. So we know something is going on here. And the casualties of this war are men, women, boys and girls, people all around Covington, people all around Clifton Forge, people all around Allegheny County, all around our state. There's this war that's going on, and the casualties are these people. The casualties are the people all around us. The people you interact with every day is a casualty of war. If they're not following Jesus Christ, they're a casualty of war. Max Lucado shares this story. He says this. He says, I was in an emergency room late one, uh, one night last week. Victims of Satan filled the halls. A child, puffy, swollen eyes was beaten by his father. A woman, bruised cheeks and bloody nose. My boyfriend got drunk and hit me, she said, weeping. An old man, unconscious and drunk on a stretcher, he drooled blood in his sleep. I am convinced that Satan stalks today, causing hunger in Cambodia, confusion in the Middle East, and egotism in the movie screen. The apathy in Christ's church and Satan giggles among the dying. The fact is, is if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're in, you're in a spiritual war. You are facing a battle every day. We are in war. And it's a war that we have to fight. It's a war that we have to get involved in. 
No one else can fight this war for you. Nobody can do it on your behalf. It's not like in the military where we have Marines and Army soldiers and the Navy going out and fighting on our behalf so we can have freedom today. It's not like that. Every single one of us is engaged in this battle. We are all enlisted as soldiers of Christ. And every single one of us has to be part of this. We have to be part of this this solution. We have to engage this battle. There's no civilian sitting at home. None. You're in battle whether you like it or not, and we need to fight. We can't just ignore spiritual warfare. We can't just ignore it. We can't just blow it off. It's not my fight. We have that attitude in America. It's not my fight. I'm going to stay out of it. Whatever happened in the day that when men and women, would, or especially I'm calling you men, the men would step up and say, hey, don't you do that, and step up for what's right and wrong. And stand firm for what's right. Not my opinion, not what I think, but what's right, what Scripture says. Where is that? See, when we try to ignore the devil and ignore the fact that we're in a spiritual war, we're basically putting our head in the sand. We're basically acting like you know, we're in denial. It's like the addict saying, you know, my life is destroyed from drugs, but saying, no, my life is fine. You just lost your wife, your child, your job, and your life is on, you know, you're living on the streets, but you still think your life is wonderful. That's what an addict thinks, in case you don't know that. An alcoholic loses everything. He's in, in uh, the hospital with cirrhosis of the liver, and he still thinks, I can drink a little bit. That's denial. That's denial. And if you think that you're, you're, we're not part of this spiritual war, if you think that there's no battle going on, then you might as well put your head in the sand because that's all it is. It's a denial. Now my desire in this message and this series and this message will hopefully help you familiarize yourself a little bit about the enemy and about this war. And I hope in the future, in the next few weeks, we'll give you some tools. Like right now, we're just talking about the war today. In the next few weeks, we're going to give you tools. I'm going to give you some tools on how to defeat this, this enemy. How do you stand firm? How do you fight? You know, as, as soldiers, as uh, sailors, we, we would go in training all the time. And we would always do these mock. We'd go out into, when I was in the Navy, we'd go out to the uh, ocean and we would do um, practice runs. And we'd have other ships and we would act like we're really firing. And we were really doing these things. And there were drills. Okay? I know soldiers do the same thing. They go in and they, they do mock-up battles. And they train and train and train and train and train and train and train. Go up into the Rangers and the, and the Special Forces. Those guys are on top of the game and, and the best of the best. And they train. Why? Some of these guys never saw battle. But they still train. Why? Because they know that the reality of war is there. And my hope is that over the next few weeks, we'll deal with some of those tools and some of that training to give you tools so when you are encounter this battle and we go forward, you'll know what to do. So that's my hope. But for now, we're going to talk about, we're going to move into uh, Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to look at this war that we're going on. So if you open your Bibles up, it'll be up on the screen also, but open your Bibles up to chapter 6. We're going to just look at three verses, 10 through 13. And it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the armor of God that you may, may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against fate, uh, flesh and blood, but against the rulers, 
against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done, and having done all to stand firm. This series, my hope is for you to learn to stand firm. But today we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at three specific things, and one of them is our war is real. Our war is very real. In verse 11, Paul says our struggle. The fact is, all of us are involved in this war between God and the enemy. People's ideas about Satan usually fall into one of two extremes. The first one is that they, they believe and see, they can only believe and see um, if, if, I'm sorry, the first category is if they touch it and feel it, then they believe it. That's their mentality. That, you have to prove it to them. And so what ends up happening is they basically think that Santa, you know, he, the devil's like Santa Claus. They don't, because they don't see him, they blow him off. And they also do the same thing with God. A lot of these people, they kind of think about God, but they really don't. When you really address it, you start talking to them, they really don't understand or they don't really believe in God. So you have that one extreme. And let me tell you something. The devil likes that. He loves, especially when Christians blow it off and act like he doesn't exist. He loves seeing Christians deny him. You know why? Because he messes with them. He gets to mess with them. He gets to get in their lives. If you don't think the devil's real, he gets to get in there and mess around with your lives and stir it up. And you won't even realize he's around because you don't even acknowledge him. Let me ask you this morning, if, if you're one of those people that would say, I'm not sure, I don't know if I really believe in the devil or not, and, and you know what, I have to be convinced, I want you to know something this morning, that's okay. It takes, it takes you know, you dig in the scriptures and you learn and God will open up this information to you. If you're one of those people, uh, it, it's okay, I just ask you to keep an open mind to what we're going to talk about. Just keep an open mind to the possibility that he's real. Keep that open mind. Because the Bible teaches an awful lot about this enemy, his helpers. And I just ask to be open to that possibility. Now on the other extreme, you have this other group of people. And I, love, I have to admit, I love these folks. I've, I've met folks like this. And what these people do, is you know what they do? They believe that like, the devil's everywhere. You know, they have a kid that comes home with bad grades and they rebuke them because they think the devil made them have bad grades. You know, it's like everywhere. You know, they, they, they think, you know, they get in a traffic light, the broken traffic light or something. I, you know, I curse you, you know, I rebuke you, de- de- uh, the devil, in the name of Jesus. You know, it's like everywhere. They're, they're rebuking bill collectors. You know, uh, it's, it's funny because they, they really think that the devil's everywhere, under every bush and every little corner all over the place. You know, the, they, the demons, they cast out demons out of their computer instead of it being a virus. You know, they, they, you know I, I'm exaggerating a little bit on that, but I mean, they really do get fired up and they think the devil's everywhere. But you know what? The reality is this. Every time I sin, it's not necessarily because the devil made me do it or a demon is not attached to me. 
It's the, the devil is not making me, you know, sin or lust or whatever it is that we're doing. Whatever, you know, a moment of greed, a moment of selfishness. You know, there's, we're all human. We all have those human emotions. There's times where I get mad at my kids. I know, surprising, right? I get mad at my kids for having mess, leaving a mess or, or, or fighting or hitting each other or whatever it is. You know, every time I sin, it's me. Now, there are times where I'm tempted, but basically it's, me. I don't need help being tempted. I get tempted all the time. I decide to sin. Now, sometimes it's unconscious. You know, sometimes there's that natural sin that comes out, but, but sometimes it's a conscious sin. I get mad, and I yell at my boys, and I chose to yell at my kids. That happens. Sometimes I, I'm in a bad mood. Sometimes I'm, I'm in a, I, I just don't feel like doing what's right. I hate to say that, but it's true. Sometimes, has anybody else had that where you're just like, you're just in a bad mood and you say something and you didn't mean to and you have to go apologize to your wife and make her dinner and take her out or something because you said something? I know I have. Anybody who's been married more than a few years, they probably know what I'm talking about. You know, we, we say things and we do things. See, there's a, a balance here. There is a devil and demons. They are active today, but they're not responsible for every single sin that I do. They're not. They're not responsible for everything that's in my life. They're somewhere in the middle of these two extremes. You know, the not being there and being there all the time is where the biblical truth comes in. The Bible teaches that Satan and his demons are alive and well on earth. In fact, Jesus and his disciples faced it on a good percentage in the Gospels. Part of their ministry was dealing with this evil. They recognize back then, that they were in a spiritual war with the enemy, and we're still in that today. So our first one is that our war is real. The next one is that our war is personal. Our war is very, very personal. You notice the word in, uh, struggle in verse 12? This means, this struggle, when you look in a little deeper into the definition of it, what that means is actually hand-to-hand combat. And during that, uh, and also it means, uh, in other places, it means uh, the wrestle. I'm not talking WWF wrestling. You know, I'm talking, uh, I'm talking wrestle as in get on the mat and, and you're mad, you're fighting with somebody and you're on the mat wrestling, throwing them around like a real wrestle, hand-to-hand combat or wrestling. And, you know, this, this, this battle that we're facing is not something where it's like a sniper 200, 500 yards back you know, taking pot shots at the enemy. This war is very personal, and it's in your life right now. You know, it's not, it's not you know, throwing, we're not throwing hand grenades at a distance or shooting missiles off. No, this is hand-to-hand combat. This is up close and personal, down in the dirt, sweat, blood, and tears, getting down and dirty. Real combat. This is a personal fight for each one of us. Wrestle doesn't mean that, you know, uh, it's just, you know, this show. You know, like we see the WWF on TV, and it's really, you know, these are basically stuntmen, and, the, and it is scripted. Now, I admit, they're awesome athletes, but it is still scripted, and they're basically stuntmen. It's not like that. This is real, hand-to-hand, gladiator-type things. Think of Russell Crowe and The Gladiator. Who likes that movie? It's one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. But you know what? During the time that Paul wrote this, the gladiators were actually going around in the uh, arena during that time. 
And so it's very, that's probably why he used this reference is to kind of connect that to the culture. And that's what Paul did a lot was as he would talk about things, he would use words and things that were, that were, that the non-believers would pick up on and, and go, huh, okay, hand-to-hand combat. That's very specific to me because I understand that what that means because in our culture today, they had the arenas and these gladiator type things were going on. And he were, these weren't guys that were just, you know, sword fight like, you know, fencing. These guys were, you come out of that, that arena, you know, dead or alive. You, you don't come out on a stretcher. It's, it's death. This was a real battle, real hand-to-hand combat. They don't stop until one of them is dead. And whether you realize it or not, every day we're locked in this personal battle, this hand-to-hand combat. And every day the enemy tries to get a hold of you and attack you in some weak area. He's trying to get you. He's trying to do something in your life. Max Lucado goes on and writes a, in another example. He says, Satan is the master of the trap door and the author of weak moments. He waits until your back is turned. He waits until your defense is down. He waits until the bell has rung and you're walking, you are walking back to your corner. When he aims his arrow at your weakest point and bullseye, you lose your temper, you lust, you fall, you take a drag, you follow, follow the crowd, you rationalize, you say yes, you sign your name, you forget who you are, you walk into her room. You walk into, into the window, or you look in the window, you buy that magazine, you lie, you covet. You stomp your feet and demand your way, you deny your master. It's David disrobing Bathsheba. It's Adam accept, accepting the fruit from Eve. It's Abraham lying about Sarah. It's Peter denying that he never knew Jesus. It's Noah drunk and naked in his tent. It's Lot in the bed with his own daughter. It's your worst nightmare. It's sudden. It's sin. You need to be aware that the enemy fights relentlessly to cause you sin. He, he fights against you on a regular basis, relentlessly. He tries to cause you to be proud instead of humble to be filled with lust instead of love, walk in darkness instead of light, and foolish, be foolish instead of wisdom, and anger instead of self-control, and bitterness instead of joy, to be drunk with alcohol instead of be filled with the Spirit. Our enemy hates you with all his being and wants you to suffer and fail. Our war is real, and it's personal. Our war is also Supernatural. Our war is also supernatural. <coughs> Paul says that our war is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil. We can't fight a spiritual battle in conventional weapons. I think so many times we think we can do things. If I read my Bible more, I can, I can fight against this. Or if I, if I serve more in ministry, I can fight against this. We, we can't fight supernatural forces like we, would, uh, like we would a man. We can't fight it with earthly tactics. That's why in verse 10 it says, <coughs> Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. One of the reasons why we lose this fight so often is we try to win it on human strength. When we're faced with these battles, one, if we don't even recognize there's a battle going on, then we've already lost. But if we are aware of it and we say, okay, you know what? I am going to fight against this. We try to use our own ways, our earthly ways, our, our human ways of fighting. And, and we try to use our own strength. 
<coughs> and I think that's why we lose so often. I think we lose it because we, we, we don't think of what Scripture says about fighting this battle. We try to do it the way we think we should do it. And, and it becomes foolishness because we think we know more than what God wants us to do. So if we would turn to Scripture and find out what He says on how to handle this, maybe we have a chance. Maybe there's a chance for us to win these battles. But if we try to do it on our own, I guarantee we're going to fail. So what do we know about these enemies? Okay, we talked about... <coughs> excuse me. We talked about the enemy. We talked about the fact that there is this battle. But what, does, what do we know a little bit about? I mean, the Scripture does tell us a lot about our enemy. But here, we're going to talk just a little bit about it, and then we'll, then we'll close. But if, we, if we're fighting this forces of evil, what do we know about him? What do we know about this, this enemy? Well, verse 12, Paul describes Satan's army. He describes this, the ranks and organization of this, these indivisible, invisible supernatural forces. You notice it says rulers and powers and spiritual forces of evil. And that they, he also says that it, they inhabit the heavenly realms. Now, this doesn't mean the heavenly realms is not talking about they inhabit heaven. They don't inhabit heaven. Okay, what, what it's talking about is, is the, the, super, the invisible plane, the, the supernatural where we don't see that. And now, the devil does have an audience with, the, with God, because if we look at Job, we see that he, can, he actually talked to God. He went to, to a certain point where they were able to talk to each other. But, but he doesn't, like, hang out with God. He, does, he's not, he doesn't worship God. He's not around God. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't mean he lives in heaven or in the presence of God. He doesn't live where Christ is seated. Now, the... They inhabit this invisible world. Now, if you look at the rulers and the authorities and, and the powers that they're talking about, what that is actually talking about is at the hierarchy of the angels and of Satan. There's actually an order to his army. It's not like some, you know, oh, they have, you know, millions of angels because it does talk about millions of them. Now, it's not talking about just millions of them and they're just unorganized. No, there's a hierarchy there. There's different ranks. There's, there's different levels of authority. <coughs> We have a powerful enemy that's, dis, that's a disciplined army. And they're constantly in battle with us. They want to destroy us as possible. And if they can't do that, if they can't destroy you, then they'll settle for disrupting your lives and broken homes and addiction and bitterness and despair and, and desperate, uh, depression and desperation. One of the doctrines they talk about in, in seminary, in Bible college, is this idea of total depravity. What total depravity means is that no one can teach people to sin. We are totally depraved the moment we're born. Now, let me ask you something. Have, you know, those of you that have had kids um, or have kids, little ones, um, did you ever teach them how to sin? Like, like you know, you, you know I, I, just the other day, Jenny and I were walking through Walmart, and, and I asked her if I could have a, a box of Oreos, and she said no. You know what I did? I threw myself on the ground. I started kicking and screaming, and I was like, you know, crying, and I'm walking around. Did I do that? Did, did any of you do that when you're 35 or 40? No? See, we don't teach our kids that, right? We don't teach them to throw themselves on the ground and start kicking and screaming because they didn't get what they wanted. You know, Isaiah, today, uh, we were going to go pick up Morgan, um, and uh, we talked about picking up Morgan, and Isaiah wanted to go, and, uh, uh, and I said no, because we'd have to, long story short, we'd have to move the car seat and all this stuff. So I said no, we can't do that. You know what he did? He started hiding from me, crying and screaming at mama. 
I want mama. Mama, can I go? I'm like, no, dude, I just told you no. And he's screaming. And we don't teach those things. I did not teach him how to do that. For real, I really didn't. We don't teach these kids to be selfish. We don't, we don't teach them to be little sin monsters. Because that's what they are. They're little sinners. But so are we. And they're born with it. They're born with total depravity. They're born, it's an inheritance, thanks to Adam. You know, anybody that said, my father never gave me anything, well, now, you, yeah, he did. Adam gave you a sin. So, you know, he inherited that for you. So, we, you know, we, we inherit these things, and we're, we're, we deal with it. We don't teach them to hit each other. We don't teach them to fight. We don't teach our kids to fight. <coughs> we, we don't t- teach them to, well, some of us teach them to snitch on each other. I, I admit that. I, I get them to snitch on each other. helps me keep, keep knowing what's going on. But we don't teach them these things. They come up naturally. We are all depraved. We all sin from the start. But however, we're not as bad as we could be, though, could we? Every single one of us in here, we could be a lot worse, couldn't we? We could be a lot worse than we are. I mean, we could be, like, really bad. Human, the human race can be horrible. Think about some of the people and the worst people in history. What are some of the worst people in history? I'm going to see if you guessed what I wrote. What's one of those? Throw out a name of one of the worst people all of history that you can think of. Hitler. Yep, one of, my, one of the ones I have. Hitler he killed millions, tens of millions of people. He, Hitler's policies uh, in territorial conquest and racial suppression had brought death and destruction to tens of millions of people, including genocide of six million Jews. Six million Jews. Horrible. There's people that are really wretched out there. See, we, we're all sinners, but we could get pretty bad as a human race. What's another one? Anybody else? Stalin. Stalin. Actually, the second one on my list. Stalin. Uh, he's uh, in the 30s. By his order, he ordered the killing of millions of peasants, either killed or starved to death. Millions of them. And, he, and over his time, his time there, up to his death in 1953, he's responsible and brought the death of over 20 million people. 20 million people. He had direct responsibility. Not like, well, I'm making a hard decision and this is a consequence. No, he's directly involved in killing these people. <coughs> One other is Adolf uh, Eichmann. Anybody know who he is? Eichmann was uh, basically the, the, the guy in charge of the Holocaust. And he was the one that was under Hitler that ran the show. And when he was dying, or right before he died, he said this. The death of five million Jews on my conscience gives me extraordinary satisfaction. That's wicked. That is horrible, isn't it? I mean, think about that for a minute. That's just wretched. And that's not even to say that some of the things that are going on with ISIS and the beheadings and, and, we, and all the other things. I mean, these are just the top three. And there's actually, I looked it up, there's about 20 of them that all had millions of people under their, that were, they were responsible for killing. People can be wretched. Rape, murder. 
I also looked up some serial killers just to see how bad, like, I saw a list of, you know, like the worst serial killers in history. There's a guy that, down in Columbia that killed um, over 300 children, raped and killed them. There's some people that are horrible out there. Horrible, horrible, horrible. But I mentioned this for a reason. Not for us to think about how horrible they are, but they are nothing, nothing compared to Satan. Nothing compared to Satan. No person has ever fallen to Satan's level. Satan is completely, 100% evil, and he hates us. There's, there's no comparison. He is far worse. He has no conscience, no compassion, and no remorse. He feeds on pain and suffering. He delights on anguish and filth. He is 100% evil, and he hates us. But you know what? As horrible as he is, he's limited in his power, and he's only temporary. He's not as powerful as God. He's a creation. God's the creator. As horrible as he is, he is still temporary and limited in his power. He is a powerful creation, and is temporary, he temporarily dominates the world. In 1 John chapter 5, it says we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. So we know that he has dominion here. We know that he's in, in charge of the world in, to a certain degree, but he's limited. In Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verse 2, it says he calls them the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit that is now at work in those who are disobedient. So we see that he's temporary and powerful, and he's been allowed by God to have authority over the earth for a period of time. But and until that time is up, he is a powerful enemy of ours. But he's not as powerful as God. He's not all-knowing like God. He's not the same as God. He can't read your mind. He can't read your thoughts. He can't tell the future like God can. He's not omnipotent, which is all places at all time. He's not all-knowing like God, all-powerful like God. Satan knows that he can't fight against God and win. He knows that. So you know what he does? He goes after us instead. Satan has never directly fought God. (coughs) And he can't fight God because he can't do anything to God. So instead he chooses to attack what's precious to God, you and I. So Satan can't beat God, so he tries to get us. Let me close with this last verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55 through 57. It says, O death, where's your victory? O death, where's your sting? <clears throat> For sin is a sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he has victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, when we have this enemy, but the great news, the good news is, is Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross and resurrected three days later, he conquered death and sin on our behalf. So although we have this enemy, there is hope. And that hope is in Jesus Christ. And if you want to combat this, if you want to deal with this, instead of like that story about the lunch money and the kid and the bully, if you want to stop giving this bully money, and if you want to take a stand, come to Jesus Christ. It's the only way to battle this war is through a relationship 
with Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about being churchy. I'm not talking about anything but having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's the only way you're going to win this war. The only way you'll be able to win these battles is through a relationship with God. It's the only way. And to have that, what you need to do is you need to surrender to Him. You need to say, you know what, Lord? I am a sinner. I'm tired of being attacked. I am a sinner. I am a little sin monster. I grew up that way. Let's admit it. We're all that way. We all grew up that way. I am a little sin monster, and I am sorry for that. I am sorry that I sinned against you, but I want a relationship with you. That's what you got to do. You, you surrender to him. You say, I want a relationship with you, and I want to take on this battle. I want to be free from the bondage. I want to be free from the chains that bind me. You need to know him personally, and you need to invite him to be the boss of your life. That's the only way to win this battle. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for for your love for us. And, and yes, Lord, we have this, this, this enemy out there. And we are in a war. But you know what? At the end, you are a Savior. You've conquered death and sin and Jesus Christ. And you know what, Lord? I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful in the, that, that you tell us the end of the story in Revelations about, about how we get to spend eternity with you in a sinless environment in a godly environment, amazing environment, spending time worshiping you and living with you for eternity. I'm so grateful for that. Because apart from your life, death, and resurrection, Jesus, there is no hope. And I am so thankful for that, Lord. And I know people are here are thankful for that also. And Father God, I ask you to touch the hearts of every person here and let them be aware of, of where, where the enemy is attacking them so they know how to conquer that. They know how to fight back give them courage to do that lord and over the next few weeks open their hearts and their minds to the tools that we're going to talk about and and how to to battle these things and how to grow maturely and and grow in knowledge and grace of jesus and father god if there's people here today that have not accepted you but i ask you to open their hearts to that if they have not made that decision to follow jesus I ask you to open their hearts and, and reveal yourself to them. Reveal yourself to your love. Father God, thank you so much for everything you've done for us, including going to the cross. I love you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.